Are you experiencing disconnection in your relationship? Do you feel like you're constantly struggling with the same unresolved issues? Are you having difficulty managing strong emotions? Or would you just like to know a little bit more about therapy? We've got you covered. Welcome back to Spilling the Therapy with therapists Kathy Dan Moore and Jess Lowe. Hey, Kathy Dan, how are you today? I am doing really well. I've had a great week so far. How about you? Good. Same, same, just busy, but yeah, it's been a pretty good week. Um, it's cold here and rainy. It started so. to get warm here. So that was nice. It was my anniversary. So I've been married eight years. Wow. Congrats. Um, I know. Thank you very much. And on the same day, I found out Lily got into Tulane. So I know it was a good day. I'm telling you what. That's so awesome. And Tulane's only like two and a half hours from me. I know it's so close. (laughs) And I I mean, not just because I went there, but I love like it's only an hour flight. Yeah. From Tampa to there. It's such a quick little easy commute. So we'll see how the cookie crumbles, but we're all really, really proud of her. So that was good. Yeah. Plans for the weekend. Anything exciting happening? You know, I don't think so. We have a party like one of Doug's friends has a party on Saturday night. Um, But I don't we don't have anything too major going on. Finn has to take some kind of test um, in order to do dual enrollment. Like, uh, oh, yeah, take half college classes his junior year. So he has that on Saturday and he has started washing boats with yeah. one of his friends. Did I tell you he was doing that? <laughs> yeah. How's it going? He makes really good money doing it. He put his two weeks in at Publix and okay. he's making a lot of money washing boats with his friends, Chase and Jeffrey. So that's pretty cool. So that's cool. How about you? What do you have going on this weekend? I don't really think we have too much going on this weekend. Um, next weekend, Laurel, Mississippi is having their chili cook-off. And <gasps> that's like my mama's like, well, she, she, I think she has two hometowns. She's from Texas, but like her family's from Laurel and she spent a lot of time there. Uh, we spent a long time in Laurel with her growing up. So it happens to fall on her birthday and we lost her a little over a year ago. So my husband and I are hopefully if weather stays good, going to have go to this chili cook off on her birthday in Laurel. So it's pretty neat. It's about an hour and a half from me. Are you going to enter any chili or you're just eating chili? I'm just going to eat chili. And in preparation for that, we're having chili this evening. What kind of chili do you make? Um, I usually use like turkey, do like ground turkey kind of chili, all uh-huh. the beans and stuff. Um, but my mm. mom actually made us some chili and oh, you don't like beans. Mm-mm. No. Oh, how else do you no. make chili? What? I know. I know. It's the age old argument about beans or no beans. But when we go to our friend's house over, um, the, you remember we went to our friends, the Milsons, their lake yes. house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We had a chili cook-off and Doug and our, my oldest, his oldest son, Zach, and was my partner. Yeah. And we made a uh, chicken white chili okay, and it yeah, won that's good. and it, and it should have, it was that good. I'm not yeah. going to lie. The first like round chili. was bad. And then we went in and tweaked a bunch of things. So I was glad I did a practice round. 
I like white chili. Jason is, Jason doesn't really eat anything white, like condiments (laughs) that are white, mashed potatoes. That's his like ick, as the kids are saying. That's his ick as white rice. He eats, he does eat white rice, but he doesn't eat like anything that's like a liquidy consistency that is um, white. He's missing out on a lot of good things in life. Ranch. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, so we're going to have a little ranch, the nectar of the gods. It is. It is. I'm like, are you, you can't be American and like ranch. It's so weird. (laughs) It is. Well, today, today, um, speaking of OCD type mentality with his avoiding (laughs) the whites, we are talking about. OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder today. Um, a quick little fact for you before we get started is that OCD affects 2.5 million adults or 1.2% of the U.S. population. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of folks. Um, that's and that's, a lot of folks. That's documented. That's people that have right. been diagnosed. diagnosed. You know, there are so many things that, um, you know, people can have and aren't diagnosed. Um, and this is one of the major hitters. Um, so yeah. 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 And I think we talk about this a little bit, but there's a lot of things that I, you know, a diagnosis only goes so far. I really prefer mm-hmm. to live in the description of behaviors than right. in the actual diagnosis. Cause there's such a slide between things like, is it anxiety? Is it OCD? I mean, I know that it is there for a reason and diagnostic um, tools are important. But um, there's a lot of research right now with PTSD and OCD and how those correlate. Um, But but generally, OCD, just to kind of explain what it is, it features a pattern of unwanted thoughts and fears or obsessions that lead you to do repetitive behaviors. So that's the compulsions. So these obsessions and compulsions interfere with daily activities and cause significant distress. That's the qualifier, right, for the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when we talked about like substance abuse and stuff like that, I feel like this is applicable across the board. When does it interfere with daily activities and cause significant distress? If if we didn't put that piece in there, people would be running around like chickens with their head cut off thinking they have every diagnosis on the planet because yeah. everybody has some unwanted thoughts and fears and right. some kind of repetitive behaviors. But when it is to the degree that you could diagnose it or when it is to the degree that it's interfering, so you might try to ignore it or stop the obsessions, but that can Mm -hmm. increase your distress and your anxiety around it. So ultimately, you feel driven to perform the compulsive acts to try to ease your stress and around and around we go. Yeah. So despite the efforts to ignore it or to get rid of the bothersome thoughts and urges, they just keep coming back which then leads to sort of the ritualistic behavior, thus the OCD. Yeah. You know, yeah. and OCD often centers around certain themes. For an example, um, excessive fear of getting contaminated by germs. So someone that is has that fear of germs, you may compulsively wash your hands until they're sore and chapped. Um, my sister, Ashley, my older sister, my best friend, um, she does have OCD and that's one of her things growing up. I just remember her hands were always so just raw and chapped. And my mom would put lotion and creams on them, but she just would go and wash her hands. Um, 
you know, and a lot of people, I spoke with her this morning about it. Um, you know, if you have OCD, you may be ashamed or embarrassed about the condition, but treatment can be effective. And she said, you know, even as an adult, she's 35, she still gets embarrassed about some of the things that go on some of her obsessions and, um, and her compulsions, the things that she does. Um, she deals with the hand washing, not as much as she did as a child, but she still has, when she's severely stressed, that's, that's what usually what, what kicks it off for her. And, mm-hmm. um, the hand washing, brushing her teeth, she brushed them. It's all the, her enamel off of her teeth when she was a kid, oh. because she was just constant, you know, Constantly, which we'll mm-hmm. get into those reasons why in a little bit later too. But, um, you know, yeah, things like that. And just- then that's one that I think a lot of people have. We hear about hand washing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty prevalent. And um, and then there's unusual ones too, which we can get into. But I, I know some people, when they go to the bathroom, they have to take all of their clothes off every single OCD. It usually includes both uh, obsessions yeah. and compulsions, but it's also possible to only have an obsess- obsession. Um, or possible that you could only have symptoms of compulsion. Mm-hmm. So you may or may not realize that your obsessions and compulsions are excessive or unreasonable, but they take up a great deal of time. And so they're interfering with your daily routine um, and your like social routine, your work, your school, whatever. Right. So, and then, you know, uh, the, the obsessions are repeated. They're persistent and they're unwanted, the thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. I often call it perseverating is the word I use a lot with my clients when we talk about it. Um, intrusive thoughts, um, their urges or images that cause distress or anxiety. You might try to ignore them or get rid of them by performing the compulsive behavior or ritual. Um, so these obsessions t- typically include when you're trying to think or do other things. So they can have themes. These are the biggies fear of contamination or dirt, mm-hmm. doubting, having difficulty tolerating uncertainty, needing things orderly and symmetrical. Uh, that's sort of the classical one, like classic one people reference. Yeah. With, oh, my kid has OCD. He lines all his, his trains up. Um, aggressive or horrific thoughts about losing control and harming yourself or others. That one's really scary. Unwanted thoughts, including aggression or sexual or religious subjects. Um, So examples of obsession signs and symptoms include fear of being contaminated by touching objects others have touched, doubts that you've locked the door and turned off the stove, intense stress when objects aren't orderly or facing a certain way, images of driving your car, car into a crowd of people. Thoughts about shouting obscenities or acting inappropriately in public, unpleasant sexual images, and avoidance of situations that can trigger obsessions, such as shaking hands, right? Because then you're going down the, the rabbit hole of fear being contaminated by touching somebody else. When you were going through your list and you said doubts that you've locked the door or turned off the stove, mm-hmm. turning off the stove is one for me that every night before I go to bed, I will push the like cancel on my stove three times. And I might not have even used the stove that day. (laughs) Let's get real. But I have this fear that I'm going to burn my house down and my dogs are inside. Like that is my, yeah. And I'm like, I haven't even used it. And like, sometimes I'll be like, Jay, did I I turn off the stove? (laughs) And he's like, we ate out tonight. (laughs) (laughs) 
what I do every night. Like I have to go and push that button three times, make sure that it's off because I'm just so worried. And, and I don't know if it's because when I was 18, my dad's house burnt down and I lost so much stuff, material stuff, no pets, but right. But I don't know if it's that because I don't remember doing it before that. You should do some EMDR. <laughs> Look, I have a list. We're going to do EMDR and we're we going to record it. We're going to record know. it as an episode. <laughs> I know but I'm wondering, I'm like, did I, did I like grow this like obsession? We should us? record an EMDR session. We can cut out the amount of time that, you know, we're hit the, good, hit the yeah, yeah processing. That would be really, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting for people that listen to kind of get grasped yeah, under, of what, yeah. yeah, what goes on. But yeah, I, I have a list that to the list. my ticks and be like, this, <laughs> this, this, this. but I really think that since that happened, um, that's just something that I, I do every day. Yeah. So, but anyways, come so, that would be an example of it, not meeting criteria for it to be a diagnosis, right? right? It's right. not negatively impacting your life. No, it just makes no. you quirky. It just makes me quirky. I'm very quirky guys. Um, yeah. So you talked about those obsession symptoms, but let's talk a little bit about OCD compulsions and their symptoms. Um, so compulsions are repetitive behaviors that you feel driven to perform. So they're the action that you take when you have a certain obsession, these repetitive behaviors or mental acts are meant to reduce anxiety related to your obsession. Hence me turning my stove off, um, Mm -hmm. even though it's already off or prevent something bad from happening. My house burned down. However, engaging in compulsions brings no pleasure and may often offer only a temporary relief from anxiety, right? Until the next day when you got to flip the light switch or, or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you may make up rules or rituals to follow that help control your anxiety when you're having obsessive thoughts. Uh, compulsions are excessive and often are not realistically related to the problem they're intended to fix. Um, as with obsessions, compulsions typically have themes such as washing and cleaning, checking things, counting, orderliness, following a strict routine, or demanding reassurance. Some examples for you guys are like hand washing until your skin comes becomes raw, like my sister, um, checking doors repeatedly to make sure they're locked, checking that stove repeatedly to make sure that it's off, counting in certain patterns, silently repeating a prayer, a word, or a phrase, and arranging your canned goods to face the same way. Mm. Do you you arrange your canned goods to face the same way? Yes. We do. So you know what they are. Okay. okay. I think that's, I was going to say, I think that's pretty common. Maybe it's like, if it's turned a little bit, like it's gotta be like measured straight because, yeah. you know, um, I mean, if they're not facing that way, how do you know what they are? I have a little I don't thing know. out in my pantry, you know, where the, do you remember where the cans rest? Uh-huh. I have like a whole shelf that pulls yeah. out skin for cans. So that's nice. That yeah. is, that's nice. I need that. I just rearranged my pantry. So I needed to do that. But, um, so yeah. the severity of these situations do vary. Uh, OCD usually begins in the teen or young adult years, but it can start in childhood. Um, it did for my sister. Symptoms usually begin gradually and tend to vary in severity throughout life. Mm-hmm. The types of obsessions and compulsions you experience can also change over time. Um, generally, they worsen when you experience greater stress, 
um, OCD usually is considered a lifelong disorder, can have mild to moderate symptoms or be so severe and time consuming that it becomes disabling. So yeah. Yeah, definitely a spectrum, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and it's frustrating because the cause of it is not totally understood. There's a, in the, there's a lot of co-occurring where OCD occurs alongside other disorders as well. So right. like I said earlier, PTSD and OCD can often be co-occurring. It's an attempt to manage symptoms. Um, but so some of the theories, the main theories as far as what causes is biology. So it could be a result of a change in your body's own natural chemistry or your brain functions. It can be genetics. So possibly like you have a genetic component but, but specific genes have not been identified. So yeah. it may be, but it may not be. Um, and then learning, obsess- which I lean to, obsessive fears and compulsive behaviors that are learned from watching family members or gradually learned over time. And I tend to look at the learned over time because of other things that you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, so risk factors then would be, you know, having family history, parents or other family members with the disorder can increase your risk of developing. And anytime we have family, first of all, we're passing genes down. So there's the genetic that who knows what that has to do. Then we're templating our behavior from what our family does too, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're showing you what quote unquote keeps them safe. Um, Stressful life events. I think this is um, not talked about as much, but certainly a really important and profound piece of what goes into OCD. But if you've experienced traumatic and stressful events, your risk of OCD can increase anytime something feels out of your control. We want to control it. That is what OCD does. So the reaction can be, you know, for some reason to, once you trigger the intrusive thoughts and rituals, you want to create a way to adapt and manage those. Um, Right. Yeah. Um, And talking about not having control, my sister had mentioned that, you know, we had our childhood was pretty traumatic, um, I would say. Um, And so as a child, you don't have control of much, right? You don't, right. You, your parents tell you when to do this, you do this school does, you don't really have control of much going on, especially when it's like a highly conflict time in your life. And so I think that that's when it all kind of started for her. Now, um, when she's stressed now as an adult, she will do things now, light switch flips, um, the teeth thing, not so much anymore. Um, but like she'll wash her hands, not to the point where they were, you know, as severe, but she will catch herself and she's like, Oh wait. And she can step back, use tools that she's learned to be like, Hey, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're fine. You're safe. This is, you know, things are going to go on. You're, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. She can talk herself off of the ledge of that severe anxiety that comes with it. But that's all because she got those tools that she needed in order to, mm-hmm. you know, to deal, to deal with um, those types of situations. So eating disorders can be a real result as well. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is just, you're ultimately trying to control control what you can control. So, you know, the other mental health disorder, anxiety disorders, depression, (laughs) substance use, tick disorders, those are all up in there. Right. right? Yeah. Um, Chicken of the egg too. We can have a whole chicken of the egg conversation with that. Which one came (laughs) first? 
<laughs> Which one do you think came first? Um, with your sister or? <laughs> no, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. The chicken, right? <laughs> the egg. <laughs> But a chicken has to make the first egg. Or did, was there just an egg laying around one day? <laughs> well, was there just a chicken hanging out? Mysteries. Mysteries. But anyways, <laughs> back on track. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a little bit of the complications, problems that result from OCD may include excessive time spent engaging in ritualistic behaviors health conditions, um, such as contact dermatitis from frequent hand washing. Mm. Uh, yeah. You need yeah. those like good, those barriers. That's why you yeah. have layers. And when you're washing your hands, you're, you know, your immunity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, difficulty attending school work or social activities, um, troubling relationships, overall poor quality of life, and even suicidal thoughts and behavior. So there's a difference though, between being a perfectionist mm-hmm. and that's someone who requires like flawless results or performance, yeah. or everybody knows, but, um, and having OCD. So mm-hmm. OCD thoughts, they're not simply excessive worries about real problems in your life. Um, it, it really is when it's affecting the quality of yeah. your life. Um, and when you notice that it's doing that, that's the time to see a therapist or a doctor, as we right. always say. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit about as far as treatment, you know, um, there's psychotherapy and medications um, that can be provided based on what your doctors recommend. But I wanted to say that it's important to practice what you learn from those therapy sessions with your with your counselors, because that's what helped my sister. Um is using the tools that she was taught and she implements them, um, mm-hmm. you know, work on relaxation and stress management as well. Mindfulness, you, yeah. mindfulness, those sort of things. So I just wanted to throw those yeah. in, um, as well. Um, you know, there's no way to prevent OCD. However, getting treatment as soon as possible may help prevent that from worsening and disrupting your activities in your daily routine. Right. Yeah. The earlier it's caught, the less you're ingraining in your neural yeah. network, the behavior. Right. So, yeah. The quicker you get it taken care of, the more you'll learn on how to, how to use those tools and implement them. And and not saying that, you know, my sister's like most of the time, it's like 97% of the time I'm fine, but every once in a while when I'm super stressed, you know, but I, she has those tools that she can use to, um, to help that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yep. Yep. That's OCD. Anything, that's OCD. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> I don't think so. We have an asked and answered. We have an anonymous asked and answered. Oh, I like it. I do too. Okay. So from anonymous, hi, Kathy, Dan, and Jess, how should I deal with a manipulative father? My whole life, I have given into anything he says, but now as an adult, I have made my own opinions about things in life, views that are completely different than his. I love him, but I need help on how to stand my ground when certain conversations arise. Any tips? Well, my first tip is we don't just because something's brought up doesn't mean we have to engage in a conversation. So decide what the areas are that you don't want to talk about. If it's religion and politics, it's religion and politics. And you can very much say, 
um, a blanket statement of, you know, I'm turning a new leaf. I'm not having a conversation with people about politics. I love you. And I'm going to excuse myself from this conversation. You don't have to engage just because they start. So set that boundary up about how you want to um, disengage. For me, saying something up front um, ahead of time feels like it gives me the permission to have the boundary. Um, just say, I don't, I don't talk about this stuff with people. It just, this is going to get, you know, this is going to get ugly, but, and I don't want to go there kind of thing. That would be my first thing. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, we've talked about boundaries before. Um, and sometimes even though you say it one time, doesn't mean that they're going to get it the first time and you might have to repeat yourself and, you know, and stick to it. Um, and then as far as like, being manipulative. I'm not sure what else besides just certain topics. Um, but just, you know, stick to what your boundaries are and stay, stay in your ground. Like don't, don't waver from that because if you waver from your belief or whatever you you're wanting to, you know, stay on, then it'll give them that opportunity to kind of try to slip back in. So just really stand firm with your beliefs and Mm -hmm. just keep, keep repeating it. Um, mm-hmm. that's the other, that makes sense. So this, the second thing I would say, or the third, cause you said the second, <laughs> the third thing is, um, to use brain dead responses. We talk about this a lot. So mm-hmm. somebody's like, yeah, and I just really, this candidate is the worst or this candidate is the best. You know, you can choose to use, I'm just using politics because it's easy. Um, yeah. you can choose to use your brain dead response of, I see that you feel that way. Yeah. Period. You're not agreeing. You're not disagreeing. You're making a statement. And sometimes if people are particularly obnoxious about continuing to go on and trying to manipulate, you can almost create a game and see, I wonder how quickly I can shut them down with this brain dead response. I see that you feel that way. Oh, I see that you feel that way. You're using the same thing over and over again. It doesn't give them any ammunition, ammunition. It doesn't give them anything to work with. Right. right. And they'll eventually get the point of, oh, we're not discussing <laughs> <They're that>. repeating. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not giving anything or anything for them to to latch on to, to um, try to right. sway the other way or, or yeah, you know, don't offer them any, right. Don't offer them any of the, you know, um, ability to manipulate you. Yeah. Give them any, yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like if, if you try to come back with something of you, like really mo- of your opinion on it, your emotions yeah. get involved. And then that's when it opens up that door for manipulation. Yeah. So yeah, the firm. word I was looking for is material. Don't give them any material to work with. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Anonymous. Oh. All right. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. This will help us move up in the chart and be more accessible to new listeners. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We will drop tips and information about upcoming episodes. If you have a question for our asked and answered segment, email us at askusspillingthetherapy.com. Don't forget that we do have our new website, spillingthetherapy.com. We will continue to add resources and information. I hope everyone has a great weekend. We are your hosts, Kathy Dan Moore and Jess Lowe. And join us next week for our discussion about grief and loss, where we'll be breaking it down one sip at a time. The podcast you heard today is for educational purposes only and does not replace the advice you may be receiving from a licensed therapist. 